Welcome to Hope City Church, Melbourne, Australia. Stay tuned for another inspiring message by Pastor Andrew McGrath. Here's the premises. You may want to write these down or take note. Your spirit is the spiritual dimension where life is generated in spiritual seed form. Your spirit, man, your spirit is the spiritual dimension (coughs) where life is generated in seed form. It all begins in the spirit of a man or a woman. Did you hear me? Every assignment, every purpose, every plan of God for your life will come in seed form and it will come from God to your spirit. Did you hear me? Not in your mind, not in your soul, not emotionally. There's nothing to do with your plans and your purposes and your understanding of your limitations or your background or what has been Everything that is an assignment from God comes from spirit to your spirit. Are you hearing this? Number two, your soul is the womb that incubates the seed that is awaiting the appointed time. So my spirit is the vehicle that I receive the seeds from God. I know the plans I have for you. Before you were even formed in the womb, I knew you. Before that seed, you were even aware of it in your soul, in your womb. I had plans for you and they were delivered spirit to spirit. Now, once you get that seed, it is incubated in the womb or the soul of the person. You will need both your spirit and your soul to bring to pass the purposes of God. Are you hearing this? Is this making sense? Your soul is needed to bring to birth the seed of your prophetic destiny so you can be aware spiritually of God's purposes for your life. But if your soul doesn't carry that like a womb carries a seed, God's prophetic destiny for your life shall not be fulfilled. In the Bible, the relationship of a man and a woman, husband and wife, are a picture of the relationship between your spirit and your soul. i say that again. In the Bible, the relationship between a man and a woman, a husband and wife, are a prophetic picture of your spirit and your soul. Did you know that? Adam is a picture of the believer's spirit. I want you to think about it. God takes Adam or creates Adam and puts him in the garden to tend and to guard it. And as you read through initially what God does with Adam before Eve is even on the scene, God is showing us the parameters and the function of the reborn spirit. So man is called to protect, to guard. He's given the assignment of naming the animals before Eve is even in town. That tells me that purpose and destiny, the understanding of destiny and calling out is only a factor or a realm of my spirit and not my soul. Are you hearing this? Authority. See, as you read through the Bible, 
And, and please, you, you need to take off. If you have, like a, have issues with men and women and the whole, just, just for a second, just take that off, right? And, and don't look at me, and I'm not saying you are, but don't look at me like, you know, waving your women's lib flag. Because I just want to say from the start, I am more pro-women than most people I know. Okay, and I shouldn't have to say that, but just in case you're wondering. This is not about... Re remove the, the concept of, of what I'm going to say about men and women. If you've got issues with that, just, just remove that for a second. The, the purpose of this message is to create an understanding of the function of the soul and the spirit. So man has this authority right through scripture to make decisions, to guard. He's at the gates where he's calling and, 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 and determining the future of a city. And that's a picture of our soul, of our spirit, that it alone can pick up and articulate and determine the purpose and destiny for my life. It cannot come from the soul. It's a problem because many Christians are carnal. They are soul-related. They function. They are trying to pick up God's purpose and, and, and his plan for their life through their soul. I don't feel like God loves me. I don't feel like he has a plan. My friend, when did it ever come through your feelings and your soul? It's a work of the spirit. I only pick up what is my future through spirit to spirit. Are you hearing me? Before I formed you in the womb or before your soul ever got involved, I knew you. Are you hearing me? Your background, your education, all your experiences have nothing to do with the call of God on your life. They don't limit you. They don't exclude you. They don't cancel that out. It's a work of the Spirit. Right. Are you hearing me? And that's why, just let me sidetrack for a second, it's so important to engage spirit to spirit. Many Christians don't know how to worship. Like we had this free worship today. That's offensive to many Christians because they worship from the soul and not the spirit. And God is seeking those that worship in spirit and in truth. And so sometimes we have to park our soul and begin to engage with the spirit because worship is the fertile ground for the word of the Lord, the seeds of God to come. Praying in the spirit is the fertile ground for revelation. Why did Paul pray in the spirit more than anyone? Because he knew that God was about to download revelation that would revolutionize the church in you and I. Spirit to spirit. We are people of the spirit. Amen? Then Eve comes along. She is flesh of his flesh. A perfect helper and expression of who Adam is. Want to know the state of a marriage? Look at the eyes of a woman. The man may bluff you, but the woman will reveal what's going on inside. She's a picture of the soul. Genesis 1.26 says, God said, let us make man in our image and our likeness. God is a thinking, creative God. He speaks through his son, and the Spirit of God hovers and incubates. He made this man and woman who would be able to receive the thoughts of God and incubate them into reality. Seeds and wombs, spirit and soul. Now here's an interesting thought. Jesus never healed a woman of blindness. And he never healed a man of impotence. 
Think about it. Every person that Jesus heals of deafness and blindness is what? A man. And every person that's healed of the inability to to procreate is a woman. For sight is an issue of the spirit and conception and gestation is an issue of the soul. Are you hearing me? Have you thought about this? Why did Jesus only heal blind men? Because sight and hearing is an activity of the spirit. And the activity of the soul is to take a seed and bring it forth to reality. Are you hearing me? That's why the Bible says young men will see visions and have dreams because it's a work of the spirit. Now, it's interesting that Satan comes to Eve when she is alone. There's a thought that Adam had no ability within himself to fall. He was incapable of being deceived. It was Eve. Paul Paul says in 1 Timothy 2.14 that Adam was not deceived, but the woman was deceived and fell into transgression. Now, again, forget women and men. Think soul and spirit. When Eve acted independent from Adam, the enemy could take her out. Deception could come. And we're beginning to discover that as I stay focused and live, see, those who walk according to the spirit will not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. It is impossible to be deceived when I walk in the spirit. Deception comes when we operate at a soulish level, when we're trying to figure things out at a carnal point of view. There was no temptation until Eve was formed. But when Adam sees what Eve has chosen, because he's one flesh with her, he has to follow. And here's a picture of Jesus, and I don't want to get into that, but it tells me that the decisions of my soul will always impact the realm of the spirit. And if I... Even if God impregnates me with purpose and vision and destiny, if my soul removes itself and acts independent from my spirit, it is likely to be deceived. What do I mean by that? Begins to receive input from outside that says things like this. You can never do it. You're not good enough. Look at your parents. Look at your education. Look at what's happened so far. Your life's a mess. The moment I step out of a spirit-led reality, I'm liable to be deceived. And as the soul leads, so shall the spirit follow. Are you hearing me? It's a big deal. Because although God has a plan and purpose for your life, and although you may perceive it, if you don't understand how to carry in your womb to the end the purposes of God, you will never Fulfill your assignment. It is a big deal. And from that day, there was a war that went on between Cain and Abel, the fruit of the womb. And from that day forward, there was dysfunction in the soul. You even go down to the line of Lamech, and I don't want to spend too much time in that, but he's the first man who has two wives. It's called a disengaged dysfunctional soul. 
His wives, by the, by the way, one of his wives means shade and the other one means ornament. It's interesting, isn't it? That when our soul doesn't follow the leading of the spirit, it will be like shade. It will resist the truth of the light and it will create a facade on the outside that looks all shiny and nice, but it's hiding the truth of a broken soul within. And it's so important that our soul is in alignment. It's not rebellious. It's not, it's not disengaged. It's not, and there's a word I use, it's fractured. That it comes under the alignment of the spirit because they, two of them are going to have to work together. What God has joined together, let no man separate. They have a function together. The woman and the man equally needed for the purposes of God to be fulfilled. So too your soul and spirit will have to be a circle within a circle, have a dance together to bring out the purposes of God. So with that in mind, I want to talk to you today about bringing the purposes of God to their fulfillment. I'm not an expert in babies and all that sort of stuff, but I've had five or watched five come to pass. But I do know this, that... The womb is an amazing gift from God. There are 40 weeks, I believe, for a baby to be born and three trimesters in that 40 weeks. It's interesting that when you look at the life of Jesus, he goes against the enemy to bring the purposes of God for you and I and he spends 40 days in the wilderness battling three temptations and in the process of those three temptations we see what is needed to bring to purpose the things of the spirit for our lives are you with me jesus first temptation was to turn bread into stone the second temptation was to put god to the test the third temptation was to receive what looked like the assignment and the purpose of God, but to do it in a way that was a shortcut. I want you to think about this today because when it comes to giving birth to the Spirit, what the Spirit has for life, there are three things that need to take place. Number one, and we've talked a little bit about this, but if you're writing notes, the assignments of God always begin in seed form. Man should not live by bread alone, but by every word, seed, that proceeds from the mouth of God. Everything begins with a seed in our heart. And here's the truth. You today are pregnant with seeds from God. And you have to embrace those seeds. Many people are rejecting the very word that God has for their life. The Bible says, do not despise prophecies. And God has seeded things into your world and you need to embrace those seeds. God said, be fruitful, not seedful. Why? Because you already today, the moment you get born again, you are filled with seeds of purpose and assignments for your life. You don't need to look for it. You just need to discover it. Everything that is hidden shall be revealed. Are you hearing me? Paul says in, to the Ephesians in Ephesians 4, 7, but to each one of us, say with me, each one of us. 
That means everybody. Everybody in the body of Christ. To each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. He has gifted you. He has placed in you amazing assignments. And the one of the greatest things that has to be achieved right now in the body of Christ is an awakening to the greatness of God's plan for your life. We so limit it. And the moment somebody stands up from the, from the, the, uh, the cesspool of limitation and says, I believe I am chosen and great in the kingdom, you hear this, <laughs> this, this laughing and this mocking. And who do you think you are? You know, we have a term in our nation, the tall poppy syndrome. It's alive and well, or it has been alive and well in the church. But now we're beginning to celebrate the greatness, the individual greatness, the collective greatness, because we are beginning to see what God sees. Amen. Amen. Woo! I said to you, Jeremiah 1.5, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I set you apart. Before it even begins to grow on the inside of you, you need to know the moment that your spirit comes alive to God, seed begins to fall. Like Mark 4, the sower went to sow. It's sowing, it's sowing, it's sowing. There's so much seed in you. It's ridiculous. There's so much purpose. Psalm 139. You know that Psalm 139.13. For I formed your inward parts. I will give thanks to you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works. And listen, now his soul knows it. It's not just in his spirit but he's beginning to get a revelation that something is growing on the inside of me. He goes on to say, your thoughts are so, so numerous, I can't count them. He says, um, how precious are your thoughts? How vast is the sum of them? When I'm awake, I am still with you. He's saying, I'm beginning to get a revelation of how much you have called me to do. How much you believe in me. And oh, the body of Christ will begin to realize that you have been seated with greatness. And so in our barrenness, God begins to sow seeds. And it all comes through spirit to spirit encounter. If you're saying, well, I don't know what God's called me to do. Maybe he's missed me out. Maybe it's too late. You need to have a spirit-to-spirit encounter. It needs to be your one focus to say, hook me up, Lord, deep to deep. Let me begin to receive some of the vast thoughts that you have for my life. Overwhelm me with my future. Speak to me. It's, it, is, it is an injustice for any Christian to walk around just focused on survival and trying to get by. God destined you for greatness. When I look at people, it doesn't matter what's happened in their world. I'm looking and thinking to myself, what did God have for that person? You know, you may see someone that's addicted and bound and all sorts of problems. But my friend, that doesn't negate the fact that God sees greatness in their life. He's called them to be more than a conqueror. Let the weak say, I am strong. So he births us. There's something that happens in our womb. We receive the seed of the Lord. 
And that seed will overcome any resistance, any barrenness. And it reminds me because as I was preparing this message, the Lord took me back to an occasion, I think it was around about 18 months ago. And I tell you this story because even though it's a physical story, it's a picture of what happens in our spirit. I was at my grandpa's wife's funeral, his second wife. And um, Arnie Kay was an amazing woman of God, full of the spirit. I've never seen any. At my grandpa's funeral, she did the, uh, the eulogy all in tongues. Just about. It was, it was awe-inspiring. It was like if you had hairs on the back of your head, they would have been standing up. So at the end of her funeral, I walked out into the car park with my mother and sister, and I met a lady called Carmel. I, my mother thinks, mum thinks I know her, but you know what I'm like. I, I'm not sure whether I knew her or not. But anyway, we began to talk, and I asked her a question. I said to her, I asked her about whether she had any children. She would have been, what, 30 or something. I'm not quite sure, but she wasn't particularly young. And she told me that she couldn't have any children. And the Spirit of God rose up. And it wasn't my mind. It, see, prophetic words. The Bible says in 2 Peter 1, 16, that men moved were moved by the Holy Spirit. That this, the word that we see, the Bible, it's, it doesn't come out of the intellect. The things of God flow through the Spirit. So everything about your future, it comes... It defies logic. It flows from somewhere deep within. And I found myself saying words and almost like my mind was trying to catch up with what was being said. And I said to her, you will have children. And then we walked off. I think we prayed for her and walked off. And my mother, I'd forgotten about but my mother would... She knew someone at this lady's church and she would ask continually, what's happened, what's happened? It was 18 months ago that we prayed for her and we declared the word of the Lord. This wasn't from the soul, this was from the spirit. And I found out through mum that this woman, Carmel, is having a baby in September. For years she was barren, but one word from God can change anything. One word from God. And it's the same in the realm of your destiny. One perceived word from God, spirit to spirit, will break all the barrenness and the hopelessness and the fear and the limitations and something will begin to start growing on the inside. So I say to you today, be impregnated with the promises of God for your life. Let God's destiny and purpose penetrate your heart. I prophesy over you every limitation, all the discouragement, all the unbelief is being taken away and you're about to be impregnated by the Holy Ghost. So put your hand on your spiritual womb and I say, Father, impregnate your people with purpose, destiny and assignments. Deep calls to deep. Right now, Father, send forth your holy angels to bring the word even as you did to Mary. And you said to Mary that 
that she would be impregnated by the Holy Ghost and you will bear a son. His name shall be Jesus. And she said, let it be to me according to your word. Lord, I pray, send forth your holy angels now with a message from heaven that would impregnate our spirit, our soul, and we would begin to carry afresh the assignments of God for our life. I ask in Jesus' name, do that, Lord. Do that, Lord. I break every lie of the enemy that would seek to abort the promises of God. Even as the enemy rose up in the days of Moses and Jesus to break the purposes of God, Father, you have a plan, and your plan is greater. You send forth your prophet as you did to Miriam to rescue Moses, so, forth, so you send forth prophetic words and prophetic messengers to rescue people from losing their destiny. And I speak over you now as one chosen from God, and I say, be filled with the promises of God. You shall not die without achieving all that God called you to be. Receive the promises of God for your life in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. So you say, let it be, Lord. So you could say it again. Let it be, Lord, according to your word. I receive your seeds. It's good ground. 30, 60, 100 fold ground. Amen. Okay, so we've been impregnated. I remember the first time. Anyway, that's another story. We trust in God's word, number two, even when it appears that nothing is happening. The devil came to Jesus and tried to put him to the test. You know, God said he'll do this, and if you jump off here, he'll protect you. Force him to prove himself. He said something, but put him to the test. What you've said, force him now to bring it to pass immediately. Put him to the test. And the moment you get impregnated with the promises of God and purposes of God, the enemy will come to try and abort those things. He will want you to put God to the test. And there is a season, there is a trimester where you have to deal with the assault that comes from the enemy in your mind. Are you hearing me? This is where the soul becomes engaged in the process where you have to actively learn how to use thoughts like a man would use a sword to slay the attacks of the enemy. You have to literally engage your soul in warfare over what God has given you. Two Corinthians 10, 4, though we walk in the flesh, we don't war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare aren't carnal weapons. This is not mind over matter. This is taking the sword of the spirit against all the fiery darts of the enemy and the shield of faith. And this is warfare when you get assaulted day after day after day with doubt and negativity and limitations and you pick up the sword and you begin to wield the sword. See the Bible. Has anyone got a Bible? This Bible, this Bible, this Bible. Thank you. Someone's got a physical Bible. This Bible is full of power. It is the inherent 
power of God. It is the word of God. It is settled in heaven. And when it gets settled in my heart, it has power. This is not mind over matter. This is not some sort of positive confession. This is the word of God when used against the enemy will slay his lies and his doubts. David said, I've hidden your word in my heart so I won't sin against you. What's the sin? It's the sin of unbelief that says, God, even though you sowed greatness in my heart, I don't believe you can carry it out. We pick up this Bible. You've got to pick it up and get it in your heart. It can't be enough, just enough to come on Sunday, get a top up. You've got to get this thing, meditate on it day and night. Then you will have a good prosperous, successful life. It's got to become part of you. You see, this promise is not just something in you. It becomes you. You become the living word. The seed that goes in you, you become that seed. Mark 4, it's harvested when the seed in you becomes the seed on the outside. That tree grows up. And when it's a full head with the seed in it, the same seed on the outside as the inside, harvesters come. You become the word. This isn't just a Bible. This becomes me. What I eat, I become. Are you hearing me? And so it's a battle of thoughts. Take that Bible back before I wreck it. The Bible says, gird up the loins of your mind, renew your mind, put on the mind of Christ. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. You will never go any further than your thoughts will allow you. So you've got to create in your inner world a, a successful, plush, opulent living. So, so our outside reflects what our inside is. You will no, never go any further than the thoughts that you cultivate on the inside. We are nurturing the promises. And here's the truth. Some of the promises of God cannot match the limitations of our thinking. The seeds of greatness come into our soul and our soul can be so limited that it kills and aborts what God had planned. And you see, see, God didn't mean it. See, that prophetic word wasn't true. My friend, it was true. It was a seed from God. But your stinking thinking limitations have killed what God planned for your life. So God says to Abraham, get out of that tent. Because in the tent, he's saying, I'm childless. I'll never, get, I'll never be anything. I'll never have a destiny. He says, get out of that tent. Look at the stars. Put your hand in the sand. Begin to see what I see. I am a big God. You need to be a big person because what I place on the inside is bigger than your currently thinking capacity. So enlarge. One hour of meditation is equal to a hundred hours of toil. Good ground. So I say to you, the most productive thing that you can do is not work harder, it's not stress out and be anxious, but begin to cultivate your soul with meditation on the word and begin to see what God sees. Abraham would put his hands behind his head and look up at the stars and begin to see his future. He began to see him in this arena and that arena. He began to use his imagination and you use your imagination every day, but most people in the negative, it's called worry and stress. So why not come and redeem it and give it to God and say, God, your thoughts, your thoughts, 
enlarge my thinking. And that's why when I begin to preach on prosperity and greatness and influence, I feel a religious spirit at times come up against me with a knife and saying, shut up. But I tell you what, the purposes of God are greater than any fear, any spirit of unbelief, and he shall reign. He shall conquer. Every, the Bible says the mountain of the Lord shall be greater than any mountain. It will crush. It will crush the enemy's plans. So I say to you, your limitations, your little thinking is about to be swallowed up in the greatness of his thinking. Amen. 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 I want a church here today that no matter what your background is, you begin to embrace. See, I've said to God, God, maybe, maybe in the church, the general church, the problem is we don't have enough smart people. He said, let me get back to you on that one. No, no, he said, no, the problem is not with people's IQ. The problem is with people's hearts. It's called unbelief, hard heart. See, you don't have to be smart. You just need to have a heart that's open. The problem is we don't have at times a spirit of revelation and wisdom. And what appears to be dullness and stupidity, you see, because the things of God aren't received in our spirit, our soul, they're spirit to spirit. Our revelation begins to flow and we begin to perceive what God is doing. You don't need a greater IQ. You need a greater capacity to accept and believe in the revelation of God. To him who believes, all things are possible. Only believe. It's the issue of faith crushing unbelief. Not you getting more, more degrees. And it's, it's a good thing to get degrees, but that's not the issue. Your problem isn't that you're dumb. Your problem isn't that you're old. Your issue will be whether I will embrace revelation in my heart. For all things are possible to those who believe. Are you hearing me? I'm living proof because I failed school. I was thrown out of school. My teachers thought I would never amount to anything. If they knew today that I've written books and they're even standing up speaking to people, they'd be amazed. Because all I did in school was draw pictures, bad ones. Not as in bad, but just poor quality. I was lost. I was not knowing where I was going. But God, when you begin to receive revelation, when you begin to see his plan for your life, it will overwrite everyone's opinion, all your background, all your limitations, for he is greater than that all. And right through the Bible, he delights to pick people. And he says, I'll pull you into my genealogy. Yeah, you're, you're a prostitute? Come in here. I'll redeem that. You're, you're a Gentile? Come in here. I'll redeem that. My friend, God is not put off by your limitations. The only thing that restricts God in your world is the limitation of your thinking. So I say cultivate, cultivate. Go to war against every negative thought. It takes guts. To begin to war, you've got to pull yourself up and say, let the weak say I am strong. I look in the mirror sometimes and I have to speak to myself. I have days where I have dips. I know it's a shock to you, but I have days where I think I cannot do it. This is all too hard. And all of a sudden the Holy Spirit begins to remind me of who I am. 
begins to pull out scripture. You see, he can only remind you of what you've meditated on. It begins to remind you, haven't I said this? Can't I do that? It's not, can't I do this? You're not seeing it this way? And all of a sudden, things begin to shift. And hell begins to get afraid because here he is, the polystyrene man. We can push him down, but he keeps popping back up. think intentionally think generationally and globally God is not scared by the greatness of your thoughts are you hearing me I'd love to get inside your heads There's no penalty for dreaming big. And it all begins. See, this is not, oh, I believe I'm going to be a Father Christmas or fireman. No, it's not like that. It's, it's getting before God and saying, seed me now. This is not me generating. See, because the moment I get away from my spirit, I'm prone to deception. He'll take me out. He'll give me your plan or somebody else's plan. I'm called to be a trumpet player. I can't play the trumpet. I don't want to play it. But imagine if I took it. So I get before God, what do you see? Who am I, God? Andrew, you're a father. Oh, okay. I can cope with that. Thank you, Lord. And I've called you to do this. Thank you, Lord. And you know it's God because when the seed comes, it begins to grow and you get consumed by it. You can't stop thinking about it. If it's not God, if you notice, it just drops off. It's, it's just like a, a random idea. But I'm talking about things that have been in my heart sometimes 10, 20, 30 years. You can't see it, but it's inside. And it's growing. And as I think greater thoughts, I'm receiving strength to conceive. Because I'm judging him faithful. Isn't that amazing? And lastly, the third trimester is associated with pain. And we want shortcuts. I am so, not that I've gone through it, but I've noticed. It's like I'm over this, just get it out. I've had enough. Give me the gas. Give me this. I just... It's a very difficult time for a man to be alive. (laughs) We carry seeds within us. They grow through the exercise of our faith. Where we we are learning to trust in God. And we see more with our eyes closed than our eyes open. We are, it's, it's a time in the second trimester where we are growing on the inside, but not much to show for it. But something's happening. We're starting to think different. We're starting to see things different in the spirit realm. Our soul's been enlarged, it's preparing. But in the third trimester, it's a time of pain and travail. Mark 4.17 says that we undergo persecution for the word's sake. And we wonder why we're starting to feel agitated and things are coming against us. There's an there's a increase of spiritual activity 
This is all part of the process. And I believe that the church is coming into a season of travailing. That's a good thing. Because when you travail, a baby is born. And there are things that you've carried in your spiritual womb, your soul, for years. And they cannot be birthed without travail. Travail is both having done all to stand, stand. It's, it's a time thing. It's remaining faithful. But it's also a spiritual thing where we exercise through prayer. There is a releasing of what God has birthed on the inside. There is no birth without travail. That was a great time for you to clap and applaud. John said it like this in Revelation 12, verse 1. I saw a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon beneath her feet, and a crown of 12 stars on her head. That's, that's the power to rule and govern. And she was pregnant, and she cried out because of her labor pains and the agony of giving birth. You're about to give birth. Some of you have been carrying stuff for so long. And you will begin to come into a season where God is going to shift you. There's a shift that happens in a woman in the last trimester. It's a birthing shift. And God does it. And I felt, even in my own life, that there is a change coming to my prayer life. If you've never felt it, maybe it's because you haven't been impregnated. But if you've been impregnated, there will come a time where you will have to give birth. And the things that you are carrying within you, God will lead you into a season of deep travail for our city. For the kingdoms of this world, business. Have you got a passion for business? Have you got a passion for education, media, the arts? Whatever it is that God has seeded on the inside of you, you'll begin to travail for some of you will find yourself praying for leaders and countries like I did at Brexit with Britain. I felt a travailing in my heart for the purposes of God that began in 1917 when Britain freed Israel. It began something in the spirit that was, I believe, birthed just this year. It's called freedom. Solomon said in Ecclesiastes 3.1, to everything there is a season there's a time for every purpose under heaven. And there's a time for things to be born. Amen? Amen. James says in James 5, 7, Be patient. See how the farmer waits expectantly for the harvest from the land. He keeps up a, pa a patient vigil over it until he receives the early and the latter rain. Paul says it like this in 1 Corinthians 10, 13. God can be trusted not to, let you be not to let you be tempted and tried beyond your ability and your strength of resistance and your power to endure. But he's going to provide a way out that you will be capable and strong and powerful to bear up patiently. This is the last trimester for some of you and it feels like it's gone on forever. And you think, when will this end? When will I get my breakthrough? Has anyone ever thought like that? Anybody here? God, I need a breakthrough. And he says, you know what? 
I, this is what you need to understand about God because it's in those moments that the enemy, remember in semester, semester trimester two, he's saying, don't believe God. He's he put it, you know, you need to test God. Maybe he's changed his mind. And so it's in these seasons that we are protecting what God has given. And he is saying that I am meticulous. If you are waiting longer than you expected, you need to understand I am at work. I am meticulous. I am moving, shifting. I am building something in you. So when you give birth to that promise, that promise won't kill you. And, and, and it will be functional. And it won't be deformed. And it won't, it won't come out before its due season. We're wanting to give birth to things that are not ready. And they come out and they die. So we go through that, per, that process of enduring. And the Bible says that he won't allow any temptation to come upon you, that he hasn't equipped you. And you feel like, and I've said, God, I feel like I'm going to burst. I feel like I can't cope anymore. I feel like I can't push anymore or believe anymore. But do you know what happens? I find in those moments something happening inside me. And you know what God does? He stretches me. And I feel like there's space here. Have you noticed that as a mother carries a child, that her stomach grows? It's growing to make room for a baby that's coming. And we feel like we can't cope anymore. And God says, my grace is sufficient. I'll make room. I'll make you bigger on the outside. Because this thing is bigger than what you even thought at the start. It's much bigger. You want to give birth now, but... I actually have a bigger scope. I'm seeing things that you don't see. I'm seeing how it's going to affect this person and that person. And you thought the promise was all about you at the start. But guess what? It's going to have generational impact. So hang on. Hang on. He's attentive to his promises. In God, they are yes and amen. And he says, you know what? If I speak it, I shall perform it. I'm not like a man that I would lie. Has God said one thing and not done it? He will fulfill the promise concerning you. I don't know how. I don't know when. But when you're impregnated with the promises of God, if you will nurture them, they shall come to pass. Are you hearing me? The seed of God's promise flows from our spirit. It's carried to term through faith and patience and expectation. And the nurturing of our thinking, our thought life, it's actually, I hope you understand it, but it actually has to be nurtured on the inside. It takes great persistence to form a way of thinking that can house the promises of God. Are you hearing me? If you attach your brain to the idiot box and to every limiting person around you, it won't grow. Choose your friends wisely. Choose your associates wisely. Foster a way of thinking. You know what? If you are not intentional, you will not grow a baby. Are you hearing me? If you are a spiritual slob... You won't grow a baby. You'll kill it. We have to feed it, nurture it. Then we come to this place where it's delivered through travail. Dutch Sheets, a great author, defines spiritual travail like this. It's the releasing of the creative power and energy of the Spirit of God into a situation to produce, create, and give birth to something. 
Romans 8 says that we travail. All of creation is longing and travailing for the revealing of the sons of God. There is travailing on the earth. There's travailing within us. The Spirit of God travails with us. He begins to pray through us with words that cannot be articulated in the natural language. And that's why you need to be filled with the Holy Ghost. Because there's a language that begins to articulate. See, because what speaking in tongues does, it connects our spirit and our soul and gives it voice. See, if you pray in English, it's still good. But it's praying from a natural point of view. So we step into the realm of the Spirit and we begin to cover this promise with all of God. And He begins to groan and prepare a pathway for the promises to come to pass. If you haven't been filled with the Holy Spirit, it is as simple as anything. Let me give you an illustration. Imagine that there was a... Coming out of the ground, there was a pipe, a water pipe, and on top, a brass pipe, and on top of the pipe, there was a tap. That pipe is connected, Melbourne water, if you trace it all the way down to a dam of some sort. The Bible says that in us, the moment we're born again, he says, out of your innermost being will flow rivers of living water. The Holy Ghost says, I will make my home inside you. Amen? Amen. You have the Spirit of God in you the moment you are born again. You don't get any more. You are attached to the vastness of the mind and the wisdom and the power of the Holy Ghost. You are. Now, that tap, as I turn the handle, is your mouth. Your mouth is connected to your heart. We believe in our heart and confess with our mouth and we are born again. The moment I turn that tap on, out comes sand. Out comes... Yeah, makes sense, doesn't it? It's that simple. It's that simple. Because your mouth is connected to your spirit. And the moment you turn your mouth on, out will flow the Holy Ghost. See, the problem is that we, we have two taps. We have one connected to our mind and one connected to our spirit. And so people try to pray in tongues out of their mind. They're turning the wrong tap on. You've got to access that round. He says, you open your mouth and I'll fill it. And he'll begin to pray in the heavenly language. It is so simple. I, I tried for years turning the wrong tap on. And one day I discovered that I could speak the groanings of my spirit. And see, the problem is we want to we judge what's coming out of our mouth with our mind to prove whether it's real from our spirit. Your mind has got nothing to do with it. This is a work of the spirit. Neither did your mind have anything to do with it when you got born again. You didn't logically say, right, Jesus, 2,000 years ago, died, his blood was taken to heaven, poured out in the mercy seat of heaven, and God magically said, right, I'm going to forgive everyone of everything they ever did. And he thought, oh, I could buy that. And that, 2,000 years ago, will change my life and cause me to be new. And all my old will be forgiven, and I'll be a new man. Yeah, I can figure that out. Really? That takes a lot of faith. Something happened in here. I remember the first time I got born again. They were singing a song. 
Softly and tenderly, Jesus is calling, calling for you and me. Forget the rest. Been healed. But something began to stir inside me and I felt a voice within me say, you need Jesus. And I found myself walking down the front, because he did in those days, and saying, Jesus, I need you. Come into my heart and make me new. And when I did that, something changed on the inside. It was a work of the Spirit. So too is it a work of the Spirit to function and begin to pray in the Holy Ghost. We're travailing and your mind will say to you, this is stupid, nothing is changing, but you have this overwhelming feeling to release what's happening in the Spirit. You are giving birth to the promises of God for your life. Are you hearing me? If you don't pray in tongues, if you haven't been filled with the Spirit, the Bible says it's a gift for you. It's your gift. It's easy. Like salvation was a gift. The prayer of the Holy Spirit is a gift given to you to access the mind of God and birth the promises of God. That's another topic. But I just felt God say, you need to talk to people. You, you, it's a thing. Paul says, I pray in tongues more than all of you. He says, when I do that, I'm, there are mysteries of the Spirit being released. He talks about that in Corinthians. It accesses the mind of God in a deepness that we have no idea about in the natural. And he births things in the spirit realm. Men and women, soul and spirit, coming together, working together to birth the promises of God. What a powerful thought. And I'm saying to you today that God has seeded in you his purposes. And his desire for you is that you would fulfill every good purpose for your life. Amen? Amen. So I say, God, do it in our hearts. No eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor has it entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for those that love him. And these things are revealed to us by the Spirit, for the Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. And he makes known to us the things that are freely given. We thank you today, Lord, that we have the mind of Christ. We have been seated with your purpose for our life. I pray, Lord, that our spirits will just come alive to the seeds of heaven. For those who have been assaulted in their mind and they felt like giving up on their promise. Father, restore everything that the enemy has stolen. Every dream, every desire, restore it. You are able to restore everything that's been stolen. Breathe life on every dream, every hope, every desire. I ask in Jesus' name. I pray for your people that you would teach them how to develop their minds and their souls to make room for all that you want to do. For those that are in a season of travailing, encourage them and strengthen them. I pray supernatural might would come upon you to sustain you, that you would rise up with wings like eagles. You would rise above the pain, 
of the day and you begin to see that I am giving birth to something that would change nations, impact lives, redefine the church, bring life and liberty, and I will carry every promise full term. In Jesus' name. Equip your people, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Would you put your hands on your, where you think your soul is, your womb, that carries every purpose of God. And I say, Father, even as I prayed for that lady, Carmel, by your spirit, I pray over every, every soul today that you would impregnate them with your purpose. For I know the plans I have for you, plans of hope in the future, plans to do you good and not evil. Impregnate them. Impregnate them. Change them. Let the power of joy and love and peace guard them. Guard their minds. Guard them, Father. I ask in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. I am full of the promises of God. His divine power has given me everything I need for life and godliness. Thank you for these exceeding great and precious promises that we, that we are impregnated with. Unique to our lives. We feel it inside. Father, promises to change our world, to lead people to Jesus. Promises, Lord, to influence government. Promises, Lord, to be the head and not the tail. Promises of a life of joy and peace, a life of overcoming. Thank you for these promises. Promises about our identity. We embrace them today. And I thank you for that, Lord. I break every spirit of unbelief, every spirit of religion, every spirit of deception. And I pray let your light, Lord, your glorious light penetrate their hearts. I set you free from the past. And I call you into the light of his wisdom and goodness in Jesus' name. I pray, Lord, for your people, for their minds, their thoughts, that they would be thoughts that allow your promises to grow. Yes and amen. Increase the way they think, I ask. It's your good desire to give us the kingdom. You take pleasure in the prosperity of your people. Thank you, Jesus. You're changing the way we think in Jesus' name. I bless your people today, Lord, with great success this week. May they walk in the fullness of your calling. May they know that they are forever loved by you, that you believe in them, that when they stumble, you pick them up, that you'll never leave them or forsake them. You will not, you will not, you will not forsake them, and you are with them, Father. I bless them in the going out, and they're coming in. I bless them with revelation as they sleep at night. I bless them with divine interruptions and, and divine connections this week. I bless them with spiritual sight to perceive what is taking place in the future, that you would show them things to come, that you would speak words that would set them up for amazing opportunities. I bless them with the ability of wisdom to solve problems that the world can't solve. I bless them with the ability to intercede on behalf of those that need breakthrough. I bless their families, their marriages. I bless their soul, their spirit, their body. 
And we say, Lord, invade our spirit, soul, and body. Possess us this day. We say that all of us belongs to you. We are the dwelling place of the Holy Ghost. We give you our lives this day in Jesus' mighty name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. God bless you.